Psalm 80, these are the words of God. To the chief musician, set to the lilies, a testimony of Asaph, a psalm. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come and save us. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. O Yahweh, God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears, and given them tears to drink in great measure. You have made us a strife to our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow and the mighty cedars with its boughs. She sent her bo- out her boughs to the sea and her branches to the river. Why have you broken down her hedges so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit? The boar out of the woods uproots it, and the wild beast of the field devours it? Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see, and visit this vine, and the vineyard which your right hand has planted, and the branch that you have made strong for yourself. It is burned with fire, it is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Yahweh God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. While Israel is in great trouble in this psalm, the Refrain in verse 3 and verse 7 and verse 19 there at the end. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. And uh, we hear in the other parts of the psalm some of the greatness of that trouble. But one of the great, one of the reasons for the great trouble, part of the greatness of the trouble, is that they're not like other nations that are suffering and miserable and under the judgment of God. Because Israel was a nation of grace, was a nation that God delivered from out out from among the other nations, a nation that God displaced other nations uh, to put them uh, in their place, a nation that God took to be his own special people and gave them good laws. And they sinned against him despite all of this grace. Uh, And so the first thing that we see Uh, is that they were shown grace to begin with. The second thing is that they have sinned against grace. Uh, And this uh, is a help to us, because we have been shown great grace. Uh, We are a house that knows the Lord to be uh, the God of our house. We have heard the gospel. Um, All of us, but one thus far, have uh, professed faith in Jesus Christ. We know him not only to be the covenant God of his church and the covenant God of our house, but our own creator and redeemer, the one in whom we have 
life, the one whose spirit is the Holy Spirit who is with us, uh, helps us, the one in whom we have the Father and the adoption by which we may call him our Father. And so we have been shown great grace, and all of our sins are sins against grace. And that's probably one of the things that troubles you when you realize uh, that you have been sinning, whether it's a sin that you commit with your eyes or commit with your tongue, you come under conviction uh, that the way you talk about others or perhaps talk to others, the sin of uh, grumbling, uh, discontentment, unthankfulness. Uh, there are many things that slip under the radar for us for a while, and we come under conviction, we realize that we've been doing it, uh, and we're greatly troubled and grieved, uh, and a big part of the trouble for, for us uh, when we are in that situation is that our sinning has been sinning against grace. After all that God has done for me, after all that God has taught me, shall I still sin in this way? Can it, uh, Do I still? How could I still? Do this. And so when we see in this psalm, this prayer, uh, of those who have sinned against the grace of God, what hope can they have? Uh, and the answer, of course, is uh, more grace. For those who have sinned against grace, the hope is in the same God who has already shown us the grace. Uh, the hope is in his glory. Uh, that he will act for the sake of his own name, uh, and especially um, for the sake of uh, the Son of Man, whom he made strong for himself, that the Lord Jesus is the true Israel. Uh, the Lord Jesus uh, is the Son of Man in whom uh, we may belong to the Lord God. Uh, and we'll hear about that uh, there in the fourth place. So we've been shown grace. They were shown grace. You see that especially in verses 8 through 11. You brought out a vine, a vine out of Egypt. You cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it, caused it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow, the mighty cedars with its boughs. She sent out her boughs to the sea and her branches to the river. And so uh, the Lord has shown them great love and uh, great grace. They are his people. He has chosen them. Uh, for himself. Uh, Egypt deserved uh, to be destroyed. The Canaanites deserved to be destroyed. Israel also deserved to be destroyed. God is righteously angry even now uh, with their prayers. Uh, verse 4. Even now at the time that this was written. Uh, with their prayers. Uh, and so they deserved what all the other nations received. And yet God, for the love in which he decided to take Israel for himself, uh, the vineyard which his right hand planted, the branch that he made strong for himself, uh, verse 15. It was for his own sake, for his own pleasure, for his own love. You remember uh, Deuteronomy 7, and it was not because you were great that Yahweh chose, uh, loved you, uh, but he loved you because... Uh, and the answer in Deuteronomy is because he loved you. Uh, and so it was all of grace. And they have sinned against this grace. We already mentioned in verse 4, God angry with the prayer uh, of his people, feeding them with bread of tears, giving them tears to drink in great measure or beyond measure, 
Verse 5, making them a reproach and a strife. In verse 6, exposing them, removing their protection. Verse 12 and verse 13, breaking down their hedges so that all who pass by may pluck the fruit or the boar of the woods uproot it. And this is, of course, the illustration being a vine, the wild beast of the field devouring it. And all of this because uh, they are worthy of rebuke. Verse 16, it is burned with fire, it is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. (coughs) And so it is especially this rebuke language that we know that all of the rest uh, of those things that we saw in verses 5 and 6, in verses 12 through 13, it's the Lord's correcting them for sin. The Lord does rebuke and correct and afflict uh, churches for sin. Uh, we read this quite often at the Lord's table, for instance, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, and how uh, in the Corinthian church many were ill because of their sin against the body uh, and blood of the Lord in, uh, in the supper, in the public worship. Uh, some of them had died. Uh, we're listening to that series of sermons um, by Dr. Beakey in the beginning of Revelation, uh, where the Lord Jesus threatens the churches to remove their lampstands and so forth, or some of them. Uh, and we know that that churches, nations, families, uh, people may come under the disciplining, rebuking hand of God, especially if we are his children. Uh, the Lord may uh, pour out wrath on those who are not his children, uh, but those who are his children should expect to be disciplined. This is what he says in Hebrews chapter 12. And so we see that they began by grace. We see that they sinned against grace. But we also see that even under the chastening, under the rebuking, disciplining hand of God, prayer still looks to lay hold of his grace. Uh, verse 4 uh, asks, O Yahweh, God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? And we might think, uh, well, if uh, under the disciplining hand of God, under the chastening of God, he may be angry with the prayer of his people, maybe we shouldn't pray. But what will you do then? Where will you find help? Is there anywhere else to go? And do you not know that Jesus Christ, the one who shed his blood and suffered wrath in our place, that he is the one who sits upon the throne of glory and has made it for us a throne of grace. But even as the uh, psalmist writes, even as Asaph writes, long before our mediator took his seat upon the throne, uh, isn't the Holy Spirit carrying him along to pray, even in this condition, and to write a prayer for the church, under inspiration, uh, that demonstrates that even when it doesn't seem that prayer is working or that prayer is being heard, even when you have sinned in such a way that you have no right to expect that your prayer will be favorably heard on high, still you must pray. You, you may, uh, When you have sinned against the grace of God, uh, you are still to turn to God in prayer and Uh, lay hold by faith of that same grace in the Lord Jesus Christ in dependence upon the Holy Spirit, seeking and looking for the favor 
uh, of God the Father. Uh, and so verse 3, verse 7, verse 19, the refrain, Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Uh, looking not to themselves that they would repent enough that their prayer uh, would thus then be heard on high. And we will never repent well enough to make our prayer heard on high. Uh, but not looking to what is in us, uh, but as we repent, looking to what is in God, looking to him to restore, looking for the smile of his face and his favor, looking for his salvation. Verse 3 and verse 7 and verse 19. Uh, and so uh, you see also in verse 14, similarly, Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see, and visit the visit this vine. Uh, so he pictures God in heaven uh, in verse 14. But that's not the in the first place that we see him remembering and looking to God. Uh, look at verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. Now, where are these cherubim that he is supposedly dwelling in between? Or to be more precise, although it's okay to use the Bible language, obviously he uses it that way, uh, to help us where he makes his presence known. The cherubim are on the mercy seat, aren't they? And so he knows God to be the one whom heaven and the highest heavens can't contain. And of course he knows um, that the temple cannot contain him or the Holy of Holies. But he knows that God has communicated his presence to his people, especially in that Holy of Holies above that box that is the Ark of the Testimony, where is the mercy seat, the atonement cover for the box with the cherubim built into it, and where the blood of the atonement, from the day of atonement. And so he's he's taking encouragement in prayer. Think about it. He is praying on behalf of a people who have sinned against the grace of God. Where can he find encouragement for prayer? Where can he find encouragement to in prayer? He finds it from the fact that it has pleased God to atone for his people's sins and to make the mercy seat the place where he makes his presence most intensely and completely known to his people. When you come to God through Jesus Christ, you have something even better, don't you? As the New Testament says, Jesus is our mercy seat. And so we come to the throne of grace when we come to God through Jesus. Because we come to him who is the mercy seat, we come uh, to him also who sits on the throne, the Lord Jesus being God and man, our Lord, our Creator, our Redeemer, and also our Mediator. And we lay hold of him, and it is in him that we have the blessing of Numbers 6, uh, especially uh, the lifting up of his countenance upon us and the shining of his face upon us. Their current experience is, verse 16, the rebuke of his countenance. But what they are praying for and what they have hoped for is the shining smile of his countenance because of atonement. Uh, and it's not just that our prayer lays hold of God's grace, but it's our hope that God's grace still lays hold of us. Look at verse 17 and 18. Let your right hand be upon the 
sorry, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. So he has not just made Israel strong for himself, verse 15, but there is a son of man, a mediator, the Lord Jesus, whom he is making strong for himself, verse 17. And remember how we were hearing about the difference between John's baptism, which said you need repentance, and Christian baptism, which is especially not the water baptism that we receive, but the Lord Jesus is pouring out his Holy Spirit. And he gives us the water baptism, that is Christian baptism, uh, to remind us that uh, not as John's baptism did, that we need repentance, but in baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that the triune sovereign God has intended from all eternity to save us, has atoned for us and accomplished our redemption at the cross and the Son, and that he is now applying his redemption to us by the Spirit, and that we may have repentance from the Lord Jesus. So he says in verse 17, Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. And then in verse 18, Then we will not turn back from you. So not, Look, we are turning back to you, so be gracious to us. But if you would be gracious to us, if you would give us repentance by your strength, then we would be able, we will be enabled not to, um, we will be enabled to repent. So the Lord Jesus, of course, is the true Israel and the true vine. Uh, you remember, not just here, but in Isaiah uh, chapter 5, the, the vine that was a failure, but at the end of Isaiah, as we are hearing even in the Sabbath school this week, Jesus is the true Israel. Isaiah 49, uh, I believe that was. Um, Jesus is the true Israel, and what does he announce himself to be in John 15? He says, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. Uh, and so God has laid his hand uh, upon uh, the man of his right hand, the Son of Man, whom he made strong for himself, even the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in Jesus that you may have repentance. He is the glorious one uh, in whom you may uh, have life to hate your sin uh, and to kill your sin and to offer yourself to God as a slave for righteousness. So where can we look for grace? Where can we look for help when we have sinned against grace? We can look for help to the grace of God at the throne of grace in the man of grace. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would help us by your Spirit, especially when we come into times where we are overwhelmed by the greatness of our sin and how much more heinous it is because of the greatness of the grace that you have shown us and against which we sin when we sin. And we pray that you would remind us that we may still look to you for grace at your throne of grace in the Lord Jesus, the man, the God-man of grace. Uh, and so we pray that your spirit would remind our hearts of these things that we would ever be looking to you. And we do pray that you would lay your hand upon him, upon the Lord Jesus for our sakes, and that you would make us strong with his life, and that we would then not turn back from you. Revive us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.